0: All right, so we we are wrapping up uh, this series called Where Faith Meets Life, going through the book of James, looking at how just our faith can be practically applied to every aspect of our life. And so we are now reaching the end of this letter that James wrote. Uh, But before before we get into that, I want to ask you this question. Uh, What if I told you, that you had access to a bank account with unlimited funds. Shopping. Like that you had access to bank with unlimited funds. What, what would you use that for? Shopping. Shopping, shoes. Okay. Shopping. Okay. Lambo. Okay. Oh. What? Okay. Alright. Who would use it for, for shopping in some way, shape? Like, let's say, getting new clothes. What about new shoes? What about a new car? Okay. And. In a white Okay. Uh, eventually some of y'all might use it to pay off student loans or things college. like that for college or college. Um, anybody, you, anybody, I don't know, charity, would they, would charity be on their mind if they have unlimited bank accounts or maybe to help other people? Okay. That was, right, let's rein it in here. Let's rein it in. It's. <laughs> it's it's telling when we when we know we have an unlimited resource it can change uh the way we view things don't we and how we use that source doesn't it What if I told you that you have an unlimited resource that never runs out never runs dry that you can use at a moment's hesitation at a moment's notice And that unlimited resource is the power of prayer. Is that prayer? Think about this. When we pray, we're praying to the creator of everything. Think about this. When we pray, we have the creator of the universe's undivided attention. So if we have the creator of the universe's undivided attention, this resurrected king, we just sang about, what do you think we would pray about when we have that? And what I want us to look at is tonight, first of all, of how amazing of a privilege it is that we even have the ability to pray. But not only that, not only do we have the ability to pray, but we have access to that power of prayer that can only come through the gospel. But the thing is, as, as fallen, sinful human beings, we're prone to be prideful. That we might not want to pray, or maybe we want to pray for things that, that help us out, because ultimately prayer kind of admits a need. Because prayer means like you're making a request. And a lot of times in our society, we don't want to say we make a request. We don't want to make it sound like that we need help. But as we'll see that we are in dire need of help. And not only do we need help for ourselves, but we need to help each other out. <laughs> And what I want us to get at tonight is this. We are to pray without ceasing. And the main point I want us to understand is this. Is by the power of the gospel, we have been given access to the ability to and the power of prayer. That because of the gospel, we have the ability and the power of prayer. And so... What we're going to look at tonight when we go through James is we're going to be looking at three different areas of how we are to pray. So we are in James chapter 5, verses 12 through 20. Um, if you don't have your physical Bible, it's on the back side of your notes. So you can look at that after you're done writing down this. I'll keep this up for us. So this is James 5, 12 through 20. But above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. And let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up, and if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Uh, Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. I pray just as we study your word that you help us focus in, um, that you'll free us of any distractions around us from our phones, even from neighbors, from things going on at school or work or home or personal, that you will just free us up to hear what you have to teach us tonight, Lord and that it will will convict us, it will encourage us, it will draw us closer to Christ and help us become more like the people you've called us to be and more like the family you've called us to be. So let me just hide behind your word and speak for itself. Let me hide behind your cross and let that transform hearts and minds and that ultimately you are glorified in all of this Christ. And it's your name I pray. Amen. So like I said there there is four main points that James wants us to get out of this and the first one is this is that we are to live consistent lives. We are to live consistent lives. And so James says very first thing, but above all else, brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath. So what James meaning by do not swear, he's not he's not referring to curse words. He's not saying, okay, don't be cursing all over the place. What he means is he's meaning swearing by like invoking by using the name of God to guarantee like the truth of what we're going to do. So like, maybe for people say like, oh, like, I swear to God, if this happens, then I'm going to do such and such. Or like, if you get me out of this situation, then I'll do such and such. Or like, man, if I, I swear, if I ever see that person again, then it's going to be, there's going to be trouble. You ever heard people say that? So what what he's saying what James is saying here is that we should not be swearing either by heaven or by earth or any other type of oath. What he's saying is is that that our lives should be consistent enough that we don't have to swear by anything, but even more so than that that the only person that can truly swear by themselves is God himself because when we swear what that saying is is that we are promising something like a future act or behavior or things like that like we are making in a way a divine claim and and the thing is we're fallen sinful human beings we're prone to mess up and and not follow through on some of these things and so God is the only one that can truly follow through on these but what he is also saying is that we should live our lives in such a way that is so dependable and trustworthy that we don't need to swear at all. So, so let me ask you this. Would you describe yourself as trustworthy? And, and are the actions of your life so consistent and trustworthy that your words carry meaning? Even more so than that, are we consistent in our spiritual walk with Christ? Because we are to be consistent in our walk with Christ, especially as we're going to see in our prayer life. That we're going to see the only person that can truly swear and and be consistent is Christ. And that's who we are to follow after. That's who we are to live for. And so if we are to be consistent in our prayer life, and we understand it's only by the gospel that that we can truly have access to prayer, then then it realizes three ways, like we'll see now, that James wants us to pray. And the first one is this, is as as individuals, we are to pray in all circumstances. As individuals, we're to pray in all circumstances. And so, like it says in verse 13, Is anyone among you suffering? let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Uh, This verse very much echoes the same sentiments that are in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, where it says, pray without ceasing, meaning just continually praying without stopping. And so what it's saying is, if you're facing good times, pray. If you're facing bad times, Pray. That's why it says when we face bad times, like it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. And the thing is, praying while suffering doesn't mean deliverance necessarily from that suffering. What it means is to give you endurance through that suffering. But what about even good times? It says, okay, is anyone cheerful? Is anyone happy? Let him sing praises. That even when we are facing good times, we are to pray thing is, it can be a lot more difficult to pray when things are going great. When things are going great, it can be very easy to kind of forget about God. When when life's going well, when grades are going well, when school is going well, work's going well, life overall is going well. It's very easy to kind of forget about God and thank him in that. But even just singing praises, just thanking God itself is a form of prayer, Because something we need to consistently remember is that ultimately everything is from God. It comes from God and understand his supreme role in our lives. That every good blessing comes from him. And praising God is a form of prayer. Let me ask you this. When is the last time you just woke up and, and thanked God for breath in your lungs? Or thank God that you had eyes to see or ears to hear or a bed to sleep on or clothes to wear or food to eat, a roof over your head. What does your prayer life look like? Does does your prayer life go beyond just like a meal? Does it go beyond just Sundays and Wednesdays when we pray together? How is your prayer life truly looking? Because it says in all circumstances, we are to pray to God. We're to pray in all circumstances, regardless of whether we're in the valley or on the mountaintop, regardless of whether we are doing fantastic or doing awful. We are to pray to God in everything. Let me ask this. Do you pray foxhole prayers or faithful prayers? Foxhole prayers are one of those things when you get in a really bad pinch and you say, Okay, God, like I'm in this really bad pinch, I need your help. If you can just, if you can just get me out of the situation, I swear, I will, I will, I will go to church every day, I will read my Bible every single day, I will, I will be so consistent on some of these things. And then we get out of it, what happens? We go right back to what we were before that led us to meeting that foxhole prayer. Or Do you pray faithful prayers, where it's just regardless of how things are going, God, just thank you for being who you are. Thank you just for giving me breath in my lungs. Thank you for allowing me to even lift my head off my pillow this morning. And how just that in and of itself is an act of grace. As Christians, we're not only to pray during difficult times, but also during great times. That individually, we're to pray in all circumstances. But then James goes a step further. As he says, as a church family, we are to pray for one another. That as a church family, we are to pray for one another. Look at what it says in verses 14 through 18. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you might be healed. And so... So understand to backtrack to verse 14. Okay, if anyone's sick, let him see the elders. Basically, the elders were like the spiritually mature men overseeing the local church. Another way you could say it is like it's the pastors of that church that are overseeing them. Saying, okay, if you are sick, bring them to these people. Whether they're spiritual, physically sick, in any case, mainly bring them to the elders. And it says they're to pray over them. And a lot of times that can incite like this thought of laying hands on someone and praying for them i how that is a powerful picture when you, have, when you have spiritually mature people gathering around someone that is sick and laying hands on them and praying for them. But not only that, it says, let them pray over him, but also says, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Like, okay, hold on, what does that mean? Like, are we actually going to pour oil on someone's head while we pray? And, and what James means here, it's a lot more symbolic, if you will like it's symbolic by anointing them with oil what it's saying is it's setting them apart for the special care of God that that when they're anointing them with oil that they're that's why it says they anoint their head with oil in the name of the Lord They're they're setting them apart for God's special care and attention. One way that that I've seen this whole setting apart anointing with oil in a sense is is right before I came here is what's called an ordination where where people at my church, spiritual mature men at my church, they laid hands on me and they prayed over me as they sent me off to officially become a pastor in the ministry. They were setting me apart for the special attention of God. That's just one way we can set apart someone. But there's other ways we can lay hands on someone for physical healing. Because like it says in this is they lay their hands on them. They anoint them with oil and the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise them up. And so what I want us to understand is as it says in verse 15, not only they're laying hands over them and anointing them with oil. But as it says in verse 15 and the prayer of faith. Faith will save them. So, if we're going to pray for someone, we must pray in faith. And what faith is, it's this strong confidence in, this reliance upon someone or something. And so, we are to pray prayers that have this strong confidence in God. That that we have confidence in who He is and who He says He is and what He will do. Because then it says later on in verse 15, it will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, as confusing as it might be, what it's saying is there's no guarantee that God will do that. That that I know it's can be feasible. What do you mean if it's saying they lay hands on them, anoint them with oil, and say a prayer of faith? What do you mean? It says it will save them and it will raise them up. So what do you mean? What I mean by that, instead, it's praying a prayer of faith. It's, it's not only having strong confidence in God, having the power to heal and forgive, because absolutely, God has the power to heal and forgive and can do that for anyone that he pleases. But what it's also saying is it is, it is having a strong confidence in his perfect and holy will. That, that they're praying this prayer of faith over someone, knowing that, okay, I'm trusting, I have strong confidence, not only that God can come through and heal and forgive, but I also have confidence that, that his will is better than our own, that his ways are higher than our ways. Because again, healing and faith are both truly a gift from God. Now, but again, there is times where God could truly have a miraculous healing. I think of one time at, at my last church when... Uh, there was, this, there was this little girl that was about to go in for, for surgery because there was just this cancerous stuff building up behind her eye. And so it was a very scary thing for the family and everybody else. That there was like this polyp or bump or something was growing in the back of her eye. And so I'll never forget when there was a children's lock-in and we had all of the children and the children's pastor himself all lay hands and pray for this girl that was going to go in the next day and to see her like surgery or checkup on it. And the next day they go in and they go check it. And the doctor says, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. But when we went to go check out the, the cancer stuff behind her eye to, to scrape some off and check it, there's nothing there. I don't know where it went or what happened or where, it went, but there's nothing there. That is a way that we can know that God truly can come through on prayers, that God truly can do miraculous healing because here's the thing god responds to prayers of faith because if it goes further it says and if he has committed sins he'll be forgiven therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working So what I want us to know is that these prayers of faith are not limited to just, let's say, elders or pastors. These prayers of faith can come from anyone. That's why it says the prayers of a righteous person. It doesn't just say the prayers of an elder. Anyone can have these truly powerful prayers. That James makes it clear that even though, like, pastors might oversee the well-being of the church overall all believers have the ability and privilege to pray for healing both physical and spiritual and this only comes from the gospel only by the power of the holy spirit are we able to pray to god it is only by when jesus came down died lived a perfect sinless life overcame all of sin and death and the grave crucified, buried in a tomb, resurrected, and then ascended back up to the right hand of God, that when he ascended back up and sat back down, he set his Holy Spirit down to come live among us to where we can truly pray to God, that we can pray to the Father through the Son by the power of the Holy Spirit. It only comes from the gospel. And I urge you, if you have not received Christ to be able to have this prayer, then I urge you, I beg of you to make that right tonight to come to know Christ because God responds to prayers of faith. So if we know that God responds to prayers of faith, this leads to James giving us two commands that it says in verse 16. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. We're to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another. And what it means is both of these are like a present tense verb. Basically what that means is it's is not something where, okay, you are, okay, confess, you confessed your sins and you prayed for But It says, no, confess your sins and pray. Meaning this is supposed to be something ongoing and active that we are to do on a regular basis, that, that we are to continually with one another, confess our sins with one another as a church, that we are to pray for one another as a church. That is what truly builds up the church. And so let me ask this. Do you have someone you can confide in? Do you have someone that you can trust, that you can truly confess your sins to? Do you have accountability with other fellow Christians? Do you have a small group of people that you can pray with on a regular basis and pray for on a regular basis? Because we as a church family are called to build one another up in love. And we do that through confessing our sins and praying for one another. Because again, God responds to powerful prayers. The power of prayer is not reserved for, let's say, quote unquote, super Christians, but for righteous people. A lot of times we think, well, God answers the prayers of like those, those super Christians, those super saints, the one that can do no wrong or great. No, it says he responds to the prayers of the righteous person. The righteous person's prayers have powerful working And what righteous people are, is righteous people who are wholeheartedly committed to God and desire to do God's will. That they're wholeheartedly committed to God and desire to do His will. It's not about the amount of faith that you have, but it's about whom you are placing your faith in, that you are praying to. And so James gives an example of this, that that anyone can have access to this power of prayer. And he uses Elijah as an example in verses 17 through 18 where he talks about how Elijah prayed and for three and a half years there was this drought in the land. And then he prayed again and there was this great rain that came down and bore fruit of the earth. So Elijah performed powerful miracles. He did like prophetic just denouncing of sins. It was a great help to those people in a time of need that would pave the way for when Christ would come down and have his earthly time. And he says he prayed fervently prayed fervently. There was a drought in the land for three and a half years and we had prayed again. Like I said, heaven gave rain and the earth gave fruit. But again, it's not about the person whom Elijah was, but it's whom Elijah is praying to. It was God who brought the drought. It was God who was the one that brought the rain. It was God who was the one that produced the fruit. So it is God that is the one who heals people even here and now. It is God who is the one who opens up blind eyes and opens up deaf ears and can bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we get to pray to this God because of Christ. This access to God is available to everyone. Everyone who repents of their sins and believes on Christ and receives him has access to be able to make these prayers. So, As individuals, we are to pray in all circumstances. As a church family, we are to pray for one another. And lastly, as believers, we are to pray for the lost and straying. As believers, we are to pray for the lost and straying. So here is James ending to this whole letter. He's been saying all these different things of what we were supposed to do. And then here is his final point. He's wrapping up, tying a bow on this letter. And it says, my brothers, if anyone among you is wanders from the faith and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. James ends his letter by an encouragement to intervene for those who are spiritually lost or believers who are spiritually swaying. This wandering, it's like it's a deviation away from the way of righteousness, whether willful or not. It's a it's a constant slowly, slowly going away from the truth. And the truth referred to this is the gospel, that they're wavering from the gospel. Because what James is saying is the gospel is not something just to be believed. It's something to be done. Uh, I love this. This is something that the student pastor my last church said. The gospel is not knowledge to be mastered, but it's a reality to be lived out daily. The gospel is not just something where we have all this head knowledge and know everything about it. and We can recite forwards, backwards, upside down, everything. That's great, but ultimately that should lead to a transformed life. It's a reality to be lived out every single day. It's a reality that calls us daily to pick up our cross, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus. It's, it's a call every single day that not only do we see our brokenness and our need for Jesus, but we see other people's brokenness and their need for Jesus. And then we were to go into all the ends of the earth, from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, into all the ends of the earth, making his name known. Because here's the thing, correct doctrine can never be separated from correct behavior. That a transformed heart will lead to a transformed life. That an internal transformation will produce an outward reaction to that. So so let me ask you this. Do we know all there is to know about the gospel but still don't live out the truths of it? Is the gospel just another story to us or is it our story? It doesn't mean everything to us because as Christians, we have to cherish the gospel daily and we're to never get over its power. But let me ask you this. Do you know of someone who has strayed from the faith? Do you know of someone who is spiritually lost? How often do you pray for that person. In fact, I want you to just take a, a just a quick moment and I want you to think about that one person. That one person that may be lost, that one person that may have strayed from the faith and I want you to write down their name on your paper as a reminder. Because it says if they wander from the faith and if someone brings them back, What it means by bring them back, this could either mean like they truly turn and come to know Christ and they receive salvation or come. uh, It could be that they're a believer that came back and turning back to the faith that they strayed from. Because us as believers, whenever we see someone lost or straying, should do everything in our power, everything in our power to bring that person back into the fold of Christ. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. That that same Christ we are praying to, the same God we are praying to, that can heal people physically, can also heal people spiritually. That can bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life. And we can have strong confidence in knowing that. And if we are a follower of Christ, we can understand that because he's done the same thing to us. If our prayers have the power to bring someone from spiritual death to spiritual life, why wouldn't we utilize that constantly? Because again, it's not because of us, but of whom we are praying to. So if we know we have this unlimited access and unlimited resource and power that we can pray to on a daily basis. Because we're no longer in the old covenant. We're in this new covenant where the veil was torn and we can enter into what's called the Holy of Holies. Meaning we can pray to God whenever and wherever. And it's an unlimited access, and that should affect the way that we pray. That if we can pray to someone who can bring someone from spiritual death to spiritual life, then we should do everything in our power to be on our knees crying out to God for all of these things. Praying for ourselves, praying for one another, and praying for those who are lost and who are straying. In fact, I'll end it with with this kind of story. It made me think of, honestly, when I was reading this, it, it made me think of my younger brother, Eric, where there was, uh, for many, many years, he was rebelling against God. He was, he was running from him. He was doing his own thing, just getting caught up on drugs in the wrong crowd. And there came a point where, where I thought it truly seemed like he came to know Christ one summer. And it was incredible and encouraging. And, and, and for a couple of months, it seemed like he was good. And then something happened where just all of a sudden he turned and has slowly strayed more and more and more away back to where he was before. To where it's even worse now. To where there's even more rebelling going on now with other things, other different just things he's doing in his life to live it out. And I'll be honest, it is heartbreaking and tough to watch. And it's Tough for me to say at times was like, well, God, I thought you saved him. But but instead, what I got to realize is that I have to let go and trust that he is ultimately in control, that his will is perfect and holy and better than mine. And I can trust in him knowing that the gospel allows me to come to him and pray for him and pray to god to truly bring eric back maybe there's someone in your life you know that is truly strayed that you need to pray for maybe there is someone in this student ministry church you know is hurting that you can pray for maybe there's stuff that's going on in your life that you need to pray for because in all circumstances we are supposed to pray as a church we're to pray for one another and as believers, we're to pray for those who are lost and straying. And the beautiful thing is the gospel gives us this access to not only pray to God, but have this power to watch him transform lives. So, how's your prayer life? How, how, how would it look? So what I want us to do is I, I want to close this out in prayer and just... Um, just give us like a quick minute because we're running really short on time. Um, is I'm going to pray, give us a minute, and then after that, y'all will be uh, dismissed. So uh, let me just. I'll pray. Um, and after that, y'all will be dismissed. We'll just do that. So we're running short on time. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you that you are still in the business of saving souls. Thank you that by the power of your gospel, that we can truly have a relationship with you, that we can come to know you, we come to know you more, and that we can pray for other people. So God, I pray that you will just work in our hearts and work in our lives, and I pray that we will be people of prayer. That every single day when we lift our heads off our pillows we'll be reminded of the grace that you lavish upon us daily with that and just with the gospel of being able to save us and so I pray that we never get over that I pray that we will be a people of prayer that pray not only for one another um, but we'll pray just for in all circumstances good or bad we will pray and that we'll pray for those who are lost and straying and that we will see you you can bring people from spiritual death to spiritual life We're so thankful for all that you do. We're so thankful for who you are and how nothing is outside of your control and that we can cast all of our cares upon you because you care about us. And we can do that through just the power of prayer. Let us never get over that. And it's in Jesus' precious, matchless name I pray. Amen.